Hey gals, I am so excited that you're tuning into our very first episode. But before we get into my coming out story, which Molly and I are going to break down for you really well, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about the timing of my new podcast. And the reason why it's coming out now as opposed to later, there's so much going on in the world. Um, And when I was originally coming up with this idea, I thought how great it could be if I came out with my very first show on the first day of June. Well, that got pushed back, but I targeted June because it's Pride Month, for those of you who don't know. The entire month of June is dedicated to LGBTQ plus rights and awareness, and I thought this is a great way to celebrate the community that I love so much. Um, but as a lot of you are aware, there's so much else going on in the world, and I'm hoping to add my podcast not to drown out the noise and the awareness that needs to be brought to these attentions of, of the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality and accountability and whatnot, Um, But to hopefully, if people are looking for a pause, that they can find that in this show, and not just right now in this this pivotal time in in, uh, civil rights, but in the future too. So I just wanted it to seem, not to seem like I'm, this, the subject that's going on around me is falling on deaf ears. I totally understand that there needs to be incredible amount of changes systemically. Um, and I am totally in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, but I, to me, this show it, is a culmination of something that I've been working on, and I was so excited that I could bring it um, into a time of pride for the month of June. So I decided to still roll with it, and I am educating myself on all the other social issues and signing petitions and staying very aware, um, as we all have to play a role in it. But... I just wanted to kind of make that adjustment before we got into today's episode, and I uh, I hope you like today's show, and I am excited for what comes in the future on my show, and hopefully for civil rights for everyone in this country. Anyways, I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much. I just wanted to just to get that in. All right, you guys, I am so excited. We now have Molly here, who's going to be our co-host for today's episode. Hey, Al. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, I am just so glad you are here. Um, And now a little disclosure, Molly, who is my brother's girlfriend, if you don't know, she has the cutest little dog. Now, this dog, unless, did you slip a Benadryl in her puppy chow this morning? I probably should have. I didn't really think ahead like that. Yeah, just for flights. No, perfect. So you headphone warning, uh, warning, you might hear a little bit of a yap, but maybe not. Daisy, sometimes she surprises us all. She is a wild card. We're never sure what she's going to do. Anyone who's ever met her, you know it's from love and attention. It's always a bark because she needs us to be paying attention to her. So really, she just wants everyone's attention who's listening. So... Apologies in advance. No worries at all. Um, Anyways, now a little background. This podcast uh, first started out as a coming out show. I have a lot of friends, obviously, who are in the LGBTQ plus space. And I was like, let's get a show that I can share their stories. Because very unique stories for everyone. I think most people can recognize that. And so this show originally was just going to focus on that issue. And then I kind of broadened it out. Um, But when I was rolling with that, I wanted to start with my personal story because I felt like, how could I ask somebody to come on my show and share the story if I had never told anybody, um, you know, in that sort of a broadcasted way? So I thought a perfect person to go through that story with me would be Molly, and that's exactly why she is here on the other end. So I'm very, very glad that she could be here for that. 
Well, I'm honored. Thanks for asking me. I'm excited to be a part of my my first and probably only podcast. Oh, but, well, um, you might be a stand-in. You never know if this all flops. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I can uh, really just throw those jokes up for you to just nail yes, them. Yes, you not, set me up. Out. Set me up. It's all the assist. <laughs> uh, well, I have truly no idea what she's going to ask me, so I am excited to see how this episode unfolds, just as you are. All right, let's let's get into it. All right, Al. So knowing you for, I don't know, how many years now? Seven to seven. I don't know. Are we talking dog years? What do you mean? I think yeah, a long I mean, time. Like a decade. Ask, a decade. Who's probably. asking? You or Ben? That really is what matters here. Exactly. Um, so why don't you give us like a quick rundown? You know, people know who you are, but I think that you might have some people tuning in at different stages that have known you at different stages in your life. Um, and I think... You know, high school, college is probably like the most significant because that's really where, you know, anybody really gets to know themselves. So why don't we start with, you know, you you lived in California, Massachusetts. You came to Denver for college. Um, so l- let's hone in on, on when you were in high school. What, who was Alex Swanson? What did you feel about yourself? You know, you had just moved back from Massachusetts from middle school, you're starting a new school in a place you haven't lived for a couple years. How, how did that feel? How did that kind of shape you into how you would look at your, totally. your high school endeavors? Um, great question. You really did your homework here. Um, <laughs> so for me, my personality is pretty similar as to what it's you know coming across right now, if you've never met me. And if you've met me at any stage in the last 10 years, I've pretty stayed true to exactly my character, my quick wittiness, kind of throughout my entire life. In high school, I would say the most um, interesting uh, thing about that specific part of my time period was I had faced a lot, and this is not going to be a sap story, put the tissue box away, we're not crying on this episode, I'm drinking a mango margarita, we're having a good time. You listen here, Balak is talking, you have a laugh coming, no That's tears. Right. So for me, I, a lot of times in high school, would face, and this is something that, I've, I mean, in terms of coming out, just a quick sidebar, a tangent. As ADHD-filled as I am, there's going to be many tangents. People don't, you don't just come out once. You have to come out to multiple people in different ways, at different time points, whatever makes sense. And this, from now on, is how I'm going to be coming out to people. I'm just going to say, here's my link. Give me the view and enjoy the show. Be, ask me any questions <laughs> after, but this is how it's done from here on out. You mean I shouldn't awkwardly bring up, have you talked to Alex recently? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dinner over the chips? No, I'm going to say, put your headphones in, give me the view. Um, no, but... In high school, what was really specific was that I was constantly being asked directly, oh, are you gay? And not necessarily in a mean way or somebody would be bullying me, but that I presented many you know, gay characteristics. And that, for me, led me into, instead of being able to figure out my self-identity, I had to constantly be on defense. Instead of saying, like, um, uh, you know, like if, if you ask me, oh, are you gay? My first thought is, well, I haven't thought about it, so who knows? Um, and my initial refo- response is to deflect. And I do that over and over again. This is something that occurred, I would say, every week. And I was never able to think about it because in my mind, I'm just like, no, this isn't me. Um, and that was a very, and it didn't weigh on me. I wasn't a sad, I wasn't sad about it. It, it truly didn't have that much impact on it. And I wasn't even thinking about it, but subconsciously it's a big part of the timeline of my story because I had to, yeah, I spent the majority of my high school having to always deflect. It was never, 
a conversation. It was always a question that I hadn't even thought of. So how do you think, when did you start thinking of it less as a, a deflection and I don't know, I don't really, that's not really who I need to dig into right now and like really start like realizing who you are and why you wanted to ask yourself these questions? So that probably came... Have I jumped too far ahead? No, you have, you're kind of teeing in, I think to the story, I, I am very scattered brain. So it might come in and out and I might round us back, pull it in reverse. But um, for me... As I went into college, um, it's a very different situation. You have a much bigger campus. There's not people like that would, their first thought would be like to ask you what your sexuality is. So I had less of that jumping down my throat and it turned into more of like um, a self-discovery. And so I'm not going to lie to you. Like I definitely wasn't, uh, when people ask me like, oh, are you gay? I wasn't been like, there's no way. Like, in fact, one of my common responses was like, if I ever come out, you're the first person I'm going to tell. Because (laughs) in reality, it was really nobody's business but my own and who I decided to share it with. And that was like really how I felt like, you know, when I decided if I were going to, if I'm going to come out, then that's going to be, I'll tell you. Like, it's not like a secret. I don't feel like I need to keep it from anyone. And so the, in college, when less people start kind of assuming, um, and I'm able to do some more, you know, keeping thoughts that have always been with me, but I've never been able to d- dive past the surface level. It began to make more and more sense. Um, and then in college, I just had a couple, uh, just so many radical changes. I felt like I was becoming a more independent person. I felt like I was becoming more confident. I was, I lost 90 pounds, which is somewhat related, but unrelated. I just felt like a more complete person and whole, and I felt like I could start to address every kind of aspect of my life in, in kind of my makeover, per se, um, or coming more to terms with myself. And I really started just, you know, it started out like one drunk night switching the Tinder to everyone, like your sexual preference is everyone. Um, and then it slowly realized I was like, oh, like I really don't feel the same way when I match with a girl versus when I match with a guy. And it was at that point, which is a, um, about a year and a half ago, that things really kind of uh, hockey sticked up. It was like slightly gay tendencies to, you know, like, you know, this is, this is life. And you tell me, if, you know, if this is too detailed to ask. Is there anyone in, along that way from when you started college to, you know, when you were drunk that night, like, hmm, let's just check it out. Any people that you met along the way that, like, have had these conversations with you that made you, you know, in the back of your mind think, like, oh, should I explore that? Is that me? Were there, you know, steps along the way besides you just, you know, having a couple too many vodka Red Bulls to Uh, to make that that decision? I felt red back there. Vodka Red Bull is a good Um, (laughs) go-to. Actually, you should start your own podcast as well because I totally forgot that that is a big part of the story. I, over the uh, six-month window or so of um, before getting on, you know, one drunk night on Tinder, I uh, was being, by multiple people, they confided in me their sexuality. And that was when I, like, really was, like, it's time to, like, look at yourself and see, like, if people are being so open and honest with me, am I being open and honest with myself? Um, And so that was really sort of the catalyst. 
Great question, because that that really truly was the catalyst into why I started to focus on these things that I never focused on, that I only deflected from. What were some maybe key points that you were like, oh, maybe I, maybe I should explore this besides that under the influence <laughs> confidence. Um, I'm, not, I'm not only gay when drunk. That's definitely not the, <laughs> I, I For me, it was... It just slowly clicked more and more, um, and it's slightly hard to explain in that it was something that I didn't know for most of my life in the sense of, like, I would label myself as being gay. It was something that I felt would be correct or right, and, you know, you come up, to, you come out to so many people, um, and they, a lot of them, you know, they'll be like, oh, like, that makes sense, or, you know, I there think like this this is that doesn't surprise me basically and it's so interesting because we have these sort of like stereotypes of what um a gay person does or a straight person does or you know everybody in the world has a stereotype and there's people and it's not a knock but people will say like you know basically i could have guessed that this was you the reality is there's so much more that goes into you know sexual orientation versus how you act. Yeah. Um, And that even somebody who's currently going through it and trying to determine it, it's like just a very complicated thing that takes most people like a couple of years to sort out for themselves. Well, and I know how you told me, you know, we both happened to stumble upon yourself in in an awkward position to having to talk to me about the that sexual orientation you that you are weren't quite correct. sure you wanted to. <laughs> but, you know, how did it feel telling some people that you that you were letting into this world of yours? And how did it feel maybe being hesitant? Let's dig into a little bit of, you know, actually speaking it out loud and it's becoming a, a thing to the people in your world. Yeah, so great. That, exactly, yeah. So I first came out to one of the closest people um, – in my life, which was my friend Jocelyn, who I met in college, and she shout was out my to uh, Young Jock, Juicy J. She's a great gal. She's going to be coming up here real soon on a future episode. So make sure you're subscribed if you're not already to hear that one. <laughs> um, and she was the first person I told we lived together, and I at uh, the time the real the root of the reason was as I became more aware of myself. Um, and less aware of how I would clue other people in, I could feel myself retracting from people. I would be on my phone. People would ask, what are you doing on your phone? And I wasn't about to say, oh, I'm on Grindr. Like, I, I, it was just like, the, the, that wasn't, you know, how I wanted to present myself. I wanted to do the traditional tell someone to their face, explain my, you know, go on and on and on about everything. And, and I was going to pick up a prescription um, called Truvada, which for those of you who don't know is an HIV preventative. And I was going with her. I had to go pick it up while we were doing errands. And I was like, I'm just going to be honest with you. Why? I'm not going to lie anymore and tell you that where I'm going and whatnot is not exactly what it is. So it was about being honest. And she was the first person I told. And that from there made it was a huge relief, not feeling like nobody knows what I'm what I'm doing or experiencing or going through or thinking. And then over, you know, the course of a month or two, I'm like, well, who's next? 
Um, and I stuck with the friends route. And I, uh, after, you know, telling a few more friends, I think I finally mustered up the courage to, to tell my entire family. And I'm very fortunate, as most people would know, that I have not a doubt in my mind that every single person that I'm related to, it's, they wouldn't bat an eyelash. They, you know, they would... They would uh, drive, drop me off in WeHo, and they might even stay and throw a dollar in a stripper's underwear. Like, you know, I don't think anybody <laughs> in my life would uh, would judge me for it, care about it. And I certainly didn't have to worry about so many things that so many other people were, which I am um, really, really pleased with. But I was found was finding that despite knowing all of that, I still couldn't do it. And it's a very challenging conversation to have. So um, I'm living in Denver at this time, and I figured this out while I'm in Denver. And I come back and home to California every once in a while. And I, and I was planning on this trip. I'll do it in person and tell them then. And, you know, this will happen. Well, trip one comes and go. Thought about it. Stays silent in every car ride, thinking that this is when I'm going to bring it up. And I just don't. And, you know, trip number two comes, and I think I'm going to bring it up again, but I don't. And it wasn't until trip three that I started making more headway, but not necessarily by choice. I mean, I had wanted to be uh, tell people, and it wasn't until you had accidentally seen my Grindr app on my iPad, <laughs> because I was using Grindr, I was using Grindr on my iPad so that nobody, if they were to, like, go to my phone, could find it or if our shared family of iTunes purchases that it wouldn't populate in other people's feed. So I handed you my iPad for you to like look something up and like you could see it clearly there. And I'm like, she must have saw that. But I'm like, whatever, we'll just keep rolling. And reoccurring theme of my life and show, it wasn't until we were drunk that I was like, did you see my grinder? (laughs) And then you were like, it it peaks, it peaks. And I... Then we had the conversation and, you know, immediately another sense of relief. The more and more people you tell, it's so freeing Um, and not necessarily from any chains put on by them or put on by yourself, but just knowing that you're not tiptoeing around is just such a sense of relief. And, you know, from there, and I don't want to jump ahead, so if I'm going too off, off your questions... But from there, it became, how do I tell more and more people? So at this point, here we are in May, and I'm about to ship off to a study abroad program in London, and I was supposed to have told everyone in my family, but I hadn't. I'd only told my closest friends and Molly as well, who is in in that friend group. But Oh, this, yeah, 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 sure, whatever. Um, but The accidental yeah. spill. Yeah, it it was it might have been unintentional, but in the story arc, I think it actually it was a very big push. Then, I you know now I'm traveling. I do this huge family trip. My grandma is so awesome. He takes us all on a family trip. I was thinking every day, this is a great time. You've got nine people wrangled up together. You can just spit it out one speech and you know slam a gin and tonic and pass out or whatever, whatever <laughs> it's gonna be. Um, and it never happened. And then you know. Long story short, I kept pushing this off because I was so focused on the perfect time. And I realized now 
the moment after I came out, which I'm sure we're going to get to how that all went down, um, realized that there is never a perfect time. You can always make an excuse as to why it is not the right time to share your story. Um, but the reality is if it's with the right people or the important people, then there's always going to be the perfect time for you to share the story. And eventually you did, and you felt great about it. Yeah, so I... You felt great about it after you you told it. Right after. Uh, Do you you regret how you told everybody? That is the age-old question. You know... I, and not, I guess maybe regret's not no, the best word, no, but no, no, you know, no. would you, would you have changed it or are you happy would that I've, it's just been done? I think that, so let's just get right into it. I, and now at this point probably have gone, burnt through 17,000 perfect coming out plans. And now we are. And pro- mind you, not, not necessarily important, but I'm just going to add in. This has now been eight months Nine that months. I've known. And I live with your brother, and That's I right. like don't say anything. I felt so bad, put, and I'm so. I mean, you are very. You don't ever have to feel about bad it. about that. But it was. I'm just it saying, is a burden to. I mean, think I'm like, oh, I'm tiptoeing around with this secret, and like I, I'm, we're not going to get this podcast canceled before we even started. But I get that <laughs> that is, you know, something that you want to be able to share, and like not. But to you know have to that obviously, love. like this, you know that that's part of your plan of something that you want to do right. and something that's very important to you in like this journey of yourself and to know that like it was it was that h- hard I guess if yeah no give or choose really that word for you to be sure that the scenario was right that yeah. you were in the right place to tell everybody and it's just not it's not going to be perfect sometimes yeah totally that's that was like one of the biggest takeaways but so now going to my Maybe 100% perfect, maybe less than perfect coming out story. I <laughs> failed. I shouldn't say failed. I was never successful after months. And at this point, we're now like six, six to eight months later. And I sat through un- and completed an entire another vacation that I didn't get. And this was like a 10-day vacation. I mean, how did you not find the time? It's Thanksgiving. Um, and I, you know, didn't do it once again, which... It's, it is really challenging. But I realized as I was going through the airport and I was dropped off um, and what was kind of the full circle moment for me was I was dropped off by somebody who is LGBTQ or would consider themselves LGBTQ and I tried to have a conversation with them. I didn't put music on in the car ride because of it. And for 45 minutes, I couldn't muster up the courage to do it. And it was once I got out of the car um, and I was going through security and I realized if you can't do it then, if you can't do it after all of this, I, I mean, I felt f- physically ill. Like I... Oh my gosh, Al, you're giving me chills. Stop. Maybe we can bring out the Kleenex box. No, 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 <laughs> no. This is fine. Don't feel bad for me, people. <laughs> Don't feel bad for me. Um, I felt like what there, it will never happen. And I realized that then, like, wh- like how, why do I keep pushing this off? What is the problem? And I was in the Delta Sky Lounge, and I was... The theme... You guys are going to think I need to go to AA or something, but I was slamming <laughs> beers, because if you're in any airport lounge, you get to drink for free. 
and I had probably like four too many for 30 minutes before my flight took off. It's a blessing that they even let me board the flight, to be quite honest. And I, in the boarding group, that I'm like, I'm, as in I'm standing to board the plane, you know, they're like, flight to Houston, cancel, whatever. Like, everything's going on around me, and I get uh, this idea. Why don't you just text everyone and turn your phone off? I'm like, I'm buzzing a little, you know, I can get this quick little message out and turn off your phone, not deal with the consequences for, you know, a hot second. Don't deal with the anxiety. Didn't that give you more? That would have given me more anxiety. Well, it definitely increased my anxiety level a lot. But I like I'm being very serious when I say that this the entire Saga. I mean, people fucking hate traveling as it is, but imagine getting out of the car and the entire time you're like, what am I doing wrong with my life? And so that 30 minutes, 40 minutes of that thought process, plus the three blue moons that I chugged in the (laughs) Delta Airport lounge really manifested itself into this big anxiety clusterfuck, basically. And so I, I write my text. It was a beautiful text, I would say. I mean, it's beautiful. Uh, and uh, I sent it to my parents. And then I sent it to uh, my brothers. And then I sent it to my grandma. And I then I immediately turned my phone off. And I'm, you know, boarding. I'm, you know, fighting over to get myself, like, an aisle seat, grabbing a handful of peanuts from the stewardess right at the front. And this is obviously pre-corona. Pre-corona, yeah. Not, we're not traveling right now. No, no, no. This was, yeah, pre-corona. And I sit down on my plane, and I mean, I feel like I'm going to pass out. I'm like, get me my iron supplements. Like, I'm going down real quick. And then I, you know, I'm realizing that I will probably have anxiety the entire flight of this magnitude if I don't check my phone. And at this point, maybe 15 minutes has gone by. And there wasn't enough Casey Musgraves in the world to blast through my headphones that was going to fix what was happening. So I... There's nothing like the support of your main hoe. Good old Casey, love her to death. She truly is my golden hour. But I I turn on my phone and immediately all the texts come through and I read them and I just broke down in tears on the plane. Which, in hindsight, anybody around me... Like, actually must have thought I was insane. Like, I was probably stumbling through the airport. I have, like, 17 tech bags. And I'm, like, bawling on the plane, like, flushed red. and Shoving peanuts in your face. Literally. Everybody was just like, get this man a Xanax or whatever. He needs to relax. But, But alas, I, you know, shoot a little response saying we're taking off. But thank you so much for your love and support. Um, And... And that was over the PA system, by the way. No, no. I texted everybody <laughs> in my family, and I, then I said, I'm taking up, but we'll chat. If you have anything you want to ask me or whatever, if you want me to go into depth, let me know. Or that therapy, entire we'll flight, chat about that. that entire flight. Now, I don't know if it was the four blue moons or the relief of feeling like 99% of the world that I needed to directly tell this story to had known. That was probably the best flight I had ever. Like, I was just, I was, 
I was just in bliss. And I landed, and I'm, like, in shock. And then I have a very sincere conversation with my mother, who I, you know, love to death. And we talk. And you guys are really close. So, like, for her to, you know, not not know. Right. I think was, it was a, a big moment for her to be able to discuss it with you. Absolutely. I mean, like I was kind of alluding at in the beginning of the show, so many people weren't, it wasn't a surprise. And I don't take any offense to that, you know. Um, I, so it, that kind of path made sense for her. And she said to me, basically, that she had just wished that I had, you know, been open and honest with her longer. And she just hopes that now I've, I'm happy with exactly the choice that I made. And to answer your question, if I regret it, do <laughs> I wish that I could have stood up Stone cold sober in front of my parents and just said, I am gay. Of course. I, that would have been the best, I think, the most sincere, best way. But at a certain point, I realized that I'm putting myself through actual misery. And this was the easiest thing for me to do. Um, but it was still incredibly challenging in that moment. So I do not regret the way I did it. I don't regret how my story unfolded. And it, ever since then, life has been pretty peachy. And I have to bring up, I mean, you could cut this out if you need to. I have to bring up anybody who knows you or has known you for mm. the past, I don't know, I'd say like three or four years. Yeah. Knows about your stint as a Weight Watchers poster child. Yes. 97 pounds. Well, now that COVID's come through, it's about 83, but we're not counting. Shh, shh, we, no, no. We won't disclose that to the, <laughs> to the listeners. Yeah, cut that out. Whoever's my editor, cut it out. <laughs> but my question is, what, was there anything, as you were starting to lose weight, were you kind of getting this confidence that you were like, whoa, like, I'm interested in, like, exploring the people out there or were Ah. you more like focused on, I just want to be healthy and like know who I am. You know, how did that play into, to anything? And if it didn't, I'm a dick. Just tell me. Right. Totally. No, I, you're, you're not far off. So I probably will save the entire weight loss story for another time if I'm scratching for content. But the gist of it was I went in to lose weight, to lose weight for myself. Nobody else. I actually, contrary to popular belief, didn't feel like I looked that unhealthy um, at almost 300 pounds. But that's a, you know, nutritionists can debate that subject however they want. It wasn't <laughs> it's a discussion for another time. Yeah. So I, I the, but it is true as I start to lose, lost, lose weight, I got so much outpour of love and support that I'd always received, you know, comments, that, oh, you look great. But um, I received such a magnitude and that really gave me, a, not in an egotistical way, but a confident boost. And I could see myself smiling more. And it's not like you can only be happy if you lose 100 pounds. I, I don't think that at all. And I, it wasn't like I was necessarily unconfident before, but maybe I just hadn't realized my confidence. And once I had begun to lose weight, and I'm living at home, I'm li- living away from home, I'm more independent, it was just kind of this perfect storm that opened me up into being like, now that I'm more comfortable and confident in myself, and I feel like I've worked on my piece, I can start to open up to to other people. 
in being in a relationship. And at first that relationship, because I, I lost a majority of my weight about a year before the first time I swiped right on a dude on Tinder. So I... It had nothing to do with you, honey. Exactly. So I, that, that first year I was looking into you know, typical straight relationships so it d- opened me up not to like, I wasn't like, Weight Watchers turned me gay, but it did to open me up into like, <laughs> Weight Watchers allowed me to be comfortable with myself and share, I was in the right headspace to share myself with other people. And it gave, gave me that confidence. confidence. It gave me that confidence. Because really, like, you were always hanging out with so many of your friends and you never even brought up, like, like you never really, like, have been in, you know, a, a serious relationship with somebody. Right. And then I feel like once you all of a sudden you you could just see the confidence. Like you wanted to make sure that your outfits looked really good and, totally. and be sure that you're on trend and which is amazing. Absolutely. I mean if you would have looked at me in tenth grade, eleventh grade don't tell in high that. tell Ben you said what? Nothing. Okay, can we turn up that track please in post? <laughs> can we edit that out? <laughs> um, but but you I, know, I, mean, I I feel like all of a sudden you were this confident person and you were like, I don't know. What am I interested in? Totally. I definitely was, yeah, I, I cared more about how I looked. I mean, before I was serving categories Walmart realness. I mean, I was looking real whack. I mean, I was, I was wearing, uh, people can attest in high school, you'd catch me wearing all black New Balances. I would have a Swiss Army backpack. I mean, you might as well have shipped me off to the Marines. I was truly looking like, I don't actually know who let me out the house, quite frankly. I do miss your hair, though. I did have very long hair. That, that was another big. That was another big transformation. That was. That, when you cut your hair, that was a big deal. That that was really the three. Uh, it was the every six months at a certain point in college, I had significant weight loss, haircut, and then six months later, coming out. And now I feel like I am the most me, which is great. And I'm just proud of you. I'm I'm happy to see the. I met you with a, you had a little retainer in, you were shorter than me. For anybody's reference, right. I'm five foot one. That's right. If you know Alex now, he's about six foot. It's been, it's been a long time coming to the making of, of Ace One, but I feel That's like right. you are just an a amazing young man coming into your own. And well, I, I think it's important that you connect with and have connected with a community that you, you know, when you first moved to Denver or we always joke around that I, I was living with my sister at the time and Alex mm-hmm. was always coming over and we were yep. baking and you know, he didn't know anybody. So why not come hang out with people he knows and we're going to have to throw Lauren under the bus. She wouldn't let you come back unless you made five new friends. And four years that. later we were begging you not to leave and you have a whole community of people that are your people that you've tapped into and built relationships with. And it's amazing to see how you've grown in four years. Yeah, well, I'm still working on that list of five friends, but you let Nora, Lauren know I'm a couple shy, and soon I will be, my goal is by 2021 to make it back into that house. You know, I'm sure she's done a lot with the place. I heard she has a baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's totally been a great community to be a part of and explore and play with, and I am just very, very happy with how things in my life unfolded. Is sure. this a place for like an, an advice column, you know, like for those who are, who are struggling with either coming out with, with who they are as a person, or maybe 
are new to the community and don't really feel like they belong? Like, what do you, what, what's your advice for, you know, any of the above? I really just gave you three really broad questions. Well, just between us gals, I would say make a bigger margarita because I ran out about halfway through my coming out story and I really regret that. But don't you have a bell for Liz? Did <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you ring her? Exactly. No, I, I had a dumb waiter, but I think it's broken or something. <laughs> um, my biggest advice, if you're struggling with coming out, is realizing that it's it's going to be challenging, and there's not going to be this perfect story. And if if you have that perfect story, and it's you know dubs were released, let me know. Email me Alex at Jugs Media, and let's have you on the show because I truly would be amazed to hear that. Um, and if you're already in the community, just do the damn thing. You know, wear a wig, put on a lash, do you? Like it's it. You have such creative liberties, and yeah. This reminds me, maybe there could be an episode where, I mean, this isn't necessarily my place. Maybe you could talk about this with uh, Jossie J. The wig story? (laughs) The wig story. Maybe some tops. I don't know. You just throw out some feelers for some content in the future. That's true. Yeah. I think think it probably will get unpacked in there. Um, Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for including me in this first episode. I am so honored. Glad for you to be the first guest. Let's just have that makes me feel close to you again. I dearly miss you. I dearly miss you too. Um, but okay. So now everyone, you know, you've laid your story out. You've been able to kind of speak to who you are, your place in this community. You have this podcast, you're unemployed. You don't know what to do. You're living at home. Now what? Now, now kind of, you know, what do you, what do you think this is here for? Well, I am going to be putting in a lot of energy into growing this podcast. I've always wanted to do a show of some variety um, and share kind of my story and the other stories around me. And I think for me, my best way to display myself to the world is through through a podcast. I mean, I'm so thankful that I chose this as opposed to YouTube because I woke up today and I've seen troll dolls that actually looked better. Like, I mean, my hair was whack. And if I had to put on a look and, you know, get on, I mean, you can see me over Zoom, but thank God this is just between you and me. Uh, if everybody else had to look at it, it, it would be very visually displeasing. So this is, I think, the best way for me to get my story out there. And I'm just so happy that there's you know, some interest in this type of show. And I hope that you guys are all enjoying what it is right now. Um, that email is a real email. So if you have any questions or comments, feel free to uh, message me, alex at jugsmedia, J-U-G-S media.com. Um, other than that, though, I hope you're enjoying where you're listening to it. Wherever you can find a podcast, I'm there. And I would love a subscribe. It really does help out this channel grow because I'm sure it was a pain in the ass for you to even get to this video unless somebody sent you a direct link. And last time I checked, Carrier Pigeon wasn't the best way to grow a brand, and that's exactly what I'm trying to do here. So thank you for your support so far. Molly, thank you for your time. Your questions were pointed and quite delightful. So I'm so glad that you were my first ho- uh, guest on the show. Or, well, guest host, kind of both. And... I will see you guys on our next episode Tuesday.